Happy 2023, Wizards fans. Welcome to the latest episode of the Off the Bench Podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of NBC Sports Washington and Monumental Sports and Entertainment. Our first guest of 2023, the landlord, Daniel Gafford. Drew Gooden and I had a chance to sit down with Gaff during our time in Milwaukee to bring in the new year. And we had a great conversation, starting with his confidence level now being inserted into the starting lineup with Kristaps Porzingis and how those two have really meshed well together being in that starting unit. Gaff also shares with Drew and I an incident that happened to him when he was at the University of Arkansas that might have changed his life. It's something that he thinks about a lot these days. All that and so much more as we talk to Daniel Gafford on the first episode of 2023 of the Off the Bench podcast. Enjoy. Wizards fans, Capital One Arena partnered with Clear to help Wizards fans get into the games faster for free. Beat the crowds on game day and enter through designated Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. Download the free Clear app and get started today. Welcome to the latest edition of the Off the Bench podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller. Got two special guests. <laughs> Drew actually said, get me on the show. So whatever he says, we do. Guest slash co-host. Yes. And uh, we've got the landlord in the building, Daniel Gaffer. We're here in Milwaukee. Yeah. I want to start by the first game that we played against Milwaukee. I thought you were uh, ultra aggressive uh-huh. coming out. Just kind of talk to Drew and I about being inserted into the starting lineup now and what that has done for you and the team. Um, what it's done for me is just helped me get into the position to where I can lock in a little bit more quicker. You know, instead of just sitting on the side, kind of taking my time, getting ready, you know, now I got to kind of have a routine to where I'm ready to go whenever the, you know, first whistle blows. You know, we got guys, we got two big guys in that can rebound, two big guys in that can block shots, energy throughout the building. The only thing we got to do now is just really just night in, night out, come out with the mindset to throw the first punch. That's the main thing. We're talking about throwing the first punch. I noticed what kind of gets you going early on is maybe a quick two points, like a quick bucket. Like last night against Milwaukee, you scored the first two buckets of the game. And I said on air, that's going to get him engaged in his energy level to another level. Because I remember when I was playing and I scored the first two buckets, yeah. it got me going. Like yeah. I'm going to block shots now. I'm rebounding, second oh, yeah, chance opportunities. Sure. I'm yeah. locked in. Is that kind of similar how you, you kind of approach that? You get going early? Yeah, it pretty much is, you know, because, you know, you get the feel of the game early, like off jump. Like I scored the first two and I was like, okay, it's kind of how it's going to be, you know, guys attacking the basket. I'm down there basically for any type of dump down pass or any type of late pass um, guys want to throw. I'm basically down there, hands ready, just ready to finish anything around the basket and whatnot. Just like I said, just getting the feel for the game and just, you know, going off of the first two, you know, I was like, okay. Maybe a good night for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Drew said this a couple times during the broadcast about, you know, when the Wizards have had success as a franchise going all the way back to 78, 79, mm-hmm. they always had two bigs in a game. Mm-hmm. You think of Big E and, and Wes, yeah. Gortat, Nene, um, I think of Brendan Haywood, Antoine Jameson. Chris mm-hmm. Weber, Jawan Howard. Mm-hmm. And Facts. So as much as this league is trying to go to, you know, pace and space and spreading the the ball out and huh. finding shooters in the corners. Have you noticed teams here lately since you've gone to this big lineup that are trying to adjust to you guys now? Oh yeah, for sure. Because you know, you got two different like play styles that you gotta guard with the two bigs on the floor. I mean, of course me, you know, I'm the I call myself the trash man. 
you know, taking out the trash, doing all the dirty work, and just really just trying to go in, rebound as much as I can, block shots as much as I can, being an anchor of the defense and so on and so forth offensively. And KP, he's just spreading the floor, you know, so most of the time he's probably guarding somebody on the perimeter. And, you know, switch out all the time. They tell us if we ever come to a point to where we're in a pick and roll, just switch it automatically, you know, because it'll make it easier for us. We don't have to go up on the screen. We don't have to get hit by the screen and down. And, it just makes it easier because, you know, we're both in the same position to where we want to be better guarding on the perimeter. But at the same time, if it's one of us, you know, back at the basket, we got somebody that got our back. So that's the main thing. Really. How, how has that been playing with KP, seven foot three? I've never, I had a teammate that was seven foot three, mm -hmm. was skilled, but not as skilled mm -hmm. to this degree as Porzing is being able to stretch the defense, shoot the ball from that far athletic enough to put yeah. the ball on the ground right. and dunk. I think spacing between you two is probably the biggest thing oh, you yeah. have to adjust to. The very first time that um, we had even like tried it with like both of us on the floor, I was still coming off the bench. And when I, we had a conversation, he was just like, you know, if I, you know, I'm in a post-up situation, just get to the dunk or a space out to the corner, just to keep like the spacing out, keeping like, you know, X5 away from the post-up and things like that, just to keep him, keep him from getting like doubled. Or if he has a lane to the basket, my man won't be in the way, just like spacing out the floor. So just really just getting out of each other's way, you know, at the right time is the main thing that we had, I, I can't even talk, had a conversation about. Um, just to make it easier on the floor offensively for us because the spacing was going to be so much better. You know, he gets the ball in the post, guys are cutting off him, guys are cutting to the basket. You know, we got all type of action going in on the other side and he's just going to work down on the block. And same with me, like most of the time, if I'm in like a pick and roll situation, he's either in the corner, he's either lifted and we're getting downhill, guys are playing in the drop, we got spray outs because they pull in so on and so forth. So it's like different schemes and like teams, they, I feel like they have like trouble adjusting night in, night out because they never know when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen. It's the main thing. And when you have Brad out there that's such an elite scorer mm -hmm. <clears throat> and Kuzma, who I think has been you guys' most consistent player all year, that, that's a hard matchup yeah. you know, for the opposition to try to figure all that out. It's a big out. lineup, yeah. And then you put Rui out there. Can you just – I want to actually talk about Rui real quick while I've mm -hmm. got you. Are you surprised how he has come back from the ankle injury and putting up the amount of numbers he's putting up so far? Oh, not at all, because he works behind the scenes, you know, with just like the injury and stuff like that. He never stayed off the floor. And if he wasn't going to be on the floor, guys made sure he was on the floor. Because, you I mean, you always got to stay ready, especially coming off an injury when it comes to your feet, you know, because you're on your feet for the full 48 minutes of the game. Yeah. So really just him coming out and having the same mindset and picking up from basically where he left off is good for us. Because I mean, offensively, he's doing the same thing that he was doing before. You know, just coming out, playing poised, calm, cool, and collecting, and just getting his shots up. Uh, does the name Nick Bradford ring a bell to you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, yeah. Bradford, Nick Bradford was my teammate at Kansas mm -hmm. uh, my freshman year. He was a senior. And uh, he's from, uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. Yep. And he was telling me about a young man that was growing up around that area that had potential to be good. Oh, yeah, see, man. I got the phone call. He's like, hey, I want you to pay attention to this. My man, Daniel Gafford, he's going to Arkansas. He's like that, Drizzle. He's like that. Yeah. And fast forward, what, five, five years later, six years later, he's, he's sitting right here in front of me. 
Yeah, um, small world, man. Small world. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you how small the world this is. A uh, little trivia. I, I was supposed to go to Bentonville High School. You know where Bentonville High School is? Yep. That's like, what, maybe 20, 30 minutes away from Fayetteville? Yeah. So my mom, I used to go to Arkansas and visit my mom in the summertime. And mm-hmm. um, in between going to, from junior high school to high school, and I was picking, hey, do I stay in the Bay Area? Do I move with my mom to Bentonville, Arkansas? And uh, I'm very familiar with the area. And about the time of my sophomore year, I didn't go to Bentonville High School, mm-hmm. but I ended up uh, committing to the University of Arkansas. Really? So I'm low key. <laughs> I'm low key. <laughs> A Razorback like my man Daniel Gafford on the low. A lot of people don't know that I was supposed to be a Razorback. Um, but I'm really familiar with that area, and I, and I know a, I, I have a good relationship with Nick Bradford, mm-hmm. who's a guy that was working him out, mentoring him, along with, I believe, Ronnie Brewer. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I feel like I've been knowing Daniel Gafford <laughs> before he was even here as a wizard. Well, yeah. actually, that is true, because when you were in Chicago, the historic kick, I call it, you kicked the chair. Oh, yeah, when I had the five fouls. Yeah. yeah. With no fans in the no arena. Fans. No fans. No fans. We just kind of remembered that, and then you got traded to D.C., and now, like, the very first thing I probably asked you was, like, hey, remember when you kicked the chair against yeah. the Wizards? So, that was the first you know, thing for You've sure. been on our radar for a while, and so much so that I remember when you got traded here, Drew was like, oh, this is my Drew Gooden imitation, right? He might be better than Wendell Carter Jr. <laughs> Fact. That's how he said it, like, dude, you got Drew get. And you've developed so much since yeah. you've been 24 years old. Yeah. He and I watch you work out before games. And there's things you do in the workouts that you don't do in the games yet. And I remember Marching Gortat came in the offseason. Mm-hmm. He was working out with you. And I asked him, I said, who, who, who you got your eye on? And I, I could barely get it out. He said, you. He said, I see what Daniel can do when the cameras aren't around. Mm-hmm. So kind of speak to like where you are at 24 and, and, and what is your what is your next level? Um, really just, you know, the confidence part of, you know, last night I showed a little bit of it to where I felt like I played a little bit more relaxed than you, I usually do when I go out on the floor. And I just felt like, you know, I'm starting to get a feel for the game to where it's like slowing down a lot for me. You know, because I'm always going 100 miles per hour on defense to offense, you know, running the floor, crazy stuff like that. But once I get to the point to where I can just play in slow motion, I'll be fine. You know, that's the main thing. And really just not worrying about, you know, certain mistakes. If I take a shot, if I miss, it's a good shot. You know, you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. So I'm starting to like slowly get into that position mindset wise, you know, mentally wise, just really just taking it one step at a time. That's the main thing, because I mean, I get in the gym, I do my work, and sooner or later I can put it on display because, you know, most of the coaches and stuff, they see me going through my workouts and they see the things that I do in my workouts and whatnot. And I get to the point to where even I, I even ask Coach West every now and then, I'm like, look, okay, say, say if like somebody throws me a flash pass and they cut off of me and the big bites on the cut, can I keep that? I'm going to probably keep that go lay the ball up, do something, dunk it, whatever, you know, and just make a play out of it. And that's like some of the things that have helped me progress throughout my career because it's helping me get to the point to where I'm a little bit more comfortable on the floor. And I feel that'll help when it comes to whenever we need a bucket, they look to me, I can be able to do that, you know. 
and not overthink it, you know, little things like that, you know. I'm a firm believer, and I've watched enough basketball and seen mm -hmm. enough guys shoot while they're warming up mm -hmm. to know that they uh, potentially are, can be capable shooters in this league. Yeah. Uh, and you, in particular, I've noticed that you do have a good touch. You have great form. You don't miss free throws. What's the next step for Daniel Gafford? Because last night on air, we even talked about it. You, you went up into a face-up. You had caught the ball on the elbow. Mm -hmm. You went to face-up to it and go right into a DHO, and Brooke Lopez was sinking all the way by the rim. And I was like, it's going to be a time in Daniel Gaffer's <laughs> career where we're going to see him just face-up and just shoot the ball and make it because he has that range, and I've seen him yeah. shoot, and I know he's capable of doing that. Now, I ain't talking about shooting threes now. No, no, no. I, got, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying completely. What's, what's the next step um, for the development aspect? Because I know you potentially can mm -hmm. extend your range and possibly two three-point range later on in your career. Really just for me getting to the point to where, like I said, with the, like piggybacking off what I just said with the overthinking part, you know, if I feel like I take that shot, I'm not going to have, like, no repercussions if I miss it, you know? I've been in that situation. Yeah, you know, so it's just more of just me going against myself in that situation. Like, boom, we set up a play, and that play was, you know, initially set for a DHO going to Cools. I know the exactly play you're talking about. I think Joe Ingles hit it off his leg. I think that was a play afterwards. But, yeah, like, bigs give me that type of room and whatnot. Like, I talk with Alex all the time about it. <laughs> he tells me, he's just like, man, just whenever you just give me one time, just where you look at the basket, you just shoot it. I'm like, I'm just going to get to the point where, you know, I take at least one or two shots like that a game. Yeah. But, um, like I said, it's just more of an over, overthinking part. Yeah. You know, I be in my own head. I'm like, man, if I miss this ball. Next morning is me. Man. I listen. I'm <laughs> listen, saying? listen, listen. People, people used to tell me. I listen. I, it was like, why didn't you used to shoot like this when you were younger? I said, man, listen, because it's a different type of shot. Not only do I have the defense that pressure the defense. I got the pressure of my coach taking me out if I right. miss. You know what I mean? That's so, a different yeah. shot. And, like, it's not – you know, to the point to where I feel like that's going to happen initially. It's just I still have, like, that slight thought in the back of my head. But yeah. once I get that out, you yeah. know, to where I'm building my confidence and, like, starting to flow with the game more yeah. and more, I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. Uh, well, you have it. I'm, I'm letting yeah. you know I've seen enough basketball. I know you, your jumper does not look broke. So whenever <laughs> like, you decide it. to pull, pull it. I got you. <laughs> I don't know if you're comfortable talking about this, though, but I, I, we've had really good conversations this year. Uh -huh. um, and you talked to me about a situation you had in Arkansas that yep. was scary. Yeah, yeah, the car wreck. Can you tell us a little about, about the car wreck and kind of like how your life has changed from that moment to where you are now? Uh, it was the scariest moment of my life, for sure. You know, you when it, with a car wreck like I had, you never think that you'll make it out of it. Especially, you know, of course, I was young with all my friends and stuff from like high school and stuff like that. It was like, it was our last year, of course, you know, went to a party in Magnolia, Arkansas. It's like 30 minutes from my hometown, but it's a straight shot. So it's like the most boring drive ever, you know what I'm saying? There's trees on the side and everything looks the same on the both sides. Um, so we ended up going that night. It was dark, of course. You know, we get there, we get through the party and stuff like that. And a couple of us stayed back. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna stay back too. You know, this is the, this is the point in my life where my mom is like actually giving me some type of, you know, a longer leash to where, like, I ain't got to be at the crib at a certain time. <laughs> so uh, I'm like, man, I'm going to stay out, you know, see what's the next step, next thing that we're about to do. So um, 
get through all of that, of course, you know, young kids. And the guy that was driving, um, he had to go to work at like, what, maybe six or seven the next morning. And we stayed there until like five in the morning. So we heading back around 5.30ish. Like I said, it's like a 30 minute drive, straight shot. And of course the sun is out, but neither one of us has been asleep that's in the car at all. So I got, and both of these guys that I was with, we've known each other since diaper. Just, that's the crazy part about it. So driver, me in the passenger seat in the front, other friend is in the back. Um, we getting halfway through, and me, I knew, what I, I knew exactly what I was gonna do as soon as I got in the car. I was, I was asleep, I was out of there, you know? Um, friend in the back, he was asleep. We get halfway through, and I wake up, and I see that we're on like the opposite side of the road in the grass, you know? My friend is doing like the arm bar of faith, trying to keep me from, you know, and I ain't got my seatbelt on, you know what I'm saying? So he gets the car back on the road, and he loses control, and we flip four times. You know, and guy in the back seat, he gets thrown out of the car. The door that was in the back seat that he got thrown out of folded on top of the door of the driver's door. Oh, yeah. crazy. Um, so all of that happened. I got thrown in the back seat. Driver, he's stuck in the front. We drag him out, of course. And I go back, I reach in, and I take the key out of the ignition because the car was smoking. You know, car could have exploded and whatnot. So that was the initial car wreck, you know, some one of the scariest moments of my life, you know, adrenaline was rushing. And the only thing I can think of was where's my phone, you know, once I get out of the car. Um, and I'm still looking for my phone. I went to the hospital and I got, you know, shots. I got glass like stuck in my skin, you know, the worst um, injury out of it. You know, my friend in the backseat, I think he had a bruise rib. He's doing better. Uh, and the driver, he broke his shoulder. Those are the Wow, blessings. Like other than that, like I had a jammed up shoulder. What is the what is the the moral of that story for you every day since then? Like what do you, what do you think about? Every time I think about them, it, it's just like you know, life can be taken away just like that. You never know when it's gonna be your last day on this earth, so you just gotta live it to the fullest. You know, it's a lot of negativity in this world, but if you have a positive mindset, all that stuff can overcome it. Like the yin-yang symbol, every positive there's a negative, but every negative there's a positive, you know? So that's kind of like how I'm working to think day in, day out, you know? It's tough here and there, but frustration can turn into passion like quickly for me, you know? Because coming from where I'm coming from, like the atmosphere and stuff that I've been a part of and whatnot, it wasn't the best, but I made the best out of it because, you know, being a kid, you wanted to do kid things, just enjoy life in general. So coming up as I was younger and whatnot, I matured a different way because, you know, I seen things, did things, made mistakes, and I learned from them, you know, and that helped me mature more and more. And then once I got into the basketball scene, you know, it just helped me because once people, like, explained the stuff that I could do on the floor, it was like, you can really, you know, the sky's the limit for you. You can take care of your Perfect. family. Yeah, you know, so... I'm a real big family person that used to always say, like, you most definitely can be the one in your family that can change everything for everybody, you know? So that stuck with me. You know, I got my family tatted all over my body because that's who keeps me going, plain and simple, you know? I've been through the depression part of life. I've been through the anxiety, suicidal thoughts, everything, you know? And what makes me keep going is my people back home in my city, 
you know, I got them all behind me and they keep pushing me to be better and better day as the days go by. And you know what I'm saying? I just got recently married. My wife, she pushes me day in, day out. I have to get on to her because she was, she did play basketball. And her mom, <laughs> her mom is a coach too. So like she be, she be on me, man. But I be having to let her know. I'm like, look, I be dealing with coaches. I be dealing with, I be dealing with me talking about. The wife you know, and the coaching you Yeah, are. yeah. So I'm just telling them, I'm like, you know what I'm saying? The only thing that'll keep me from not exploding every time I come off the floor, if I have a bad game, whatever, you know is you just telling me it'll be okay, yeah. you know, because you got enough coaches, right? <laughs> you know, because like at the end of the day, that's pretty much all we need because that one simple okay can reset you completely. Absolutely. You, know what I'm yeah. you have the worst day ever at work, whether it's a nine to five, don't even matter. You come back home and you have to deal with the same thing, yeah. that can tear a person up, yeah. <laughs> for real. But like if you do all of that, deal with all the obstacles and adversity and everything just like day to day going through work and then you know we travel and stuff like that so the mental is shot you know just being able to come back home and just hear you know are you okay or some type of sympathy you know because in this world sympathy is something that's rare now you know what i'm saying it ain't a lot of people that's gonna show it you know and sometimes you feel like it's you against everybody out here and you got somebody at home that can really just change that that's something that helps out a lot because Man, when I was in college, back in Arkansas, um, best two years of my life, college experience, loved it, through and through. But there were times where mentally I was done for, and I didn't have nobody. <laughs> I didn't know how to talk to anybody, um, and my mental was just shot, you know? I had conversations with my brother from time to time, but I never really sat down and like understood the things that he was saying to me. But he helped me a lot. Uh, he helped me out a lot too. My oldest brother, you know, he was trying to go into the psychological field and whatnot. You know, he has ways with wisdom, and he used to really just bring me out of the darkest spots in life and whatnot. So, he used to help me out a lot too. So, just really, I just try to focus on just like the positives of life. You know what I'm saying? You can have the worst day ever, but you can come home and something good happens, and that can change everything. That's why I'm so like in tune with the community too, because you never know what the next person is going through. You know what I'm saying? You might have everything, you might have the weight of the world on your shoulders, but making the next person smile can take all of that away. And so that's why I'm so far into the community side of it. And like I said, I just really just try to spread as much positivity and just be the best I can be day in, day out. Because just like I said with the car wreck, life can go away just like that. Absolutely. And just like with the basketball thing, it can go away just like that too. So I just take whatever opportunity I can get. I don't try to take it for granted anymore. He got me hyped. I want to go hoop tomorrow. <laughs> 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 he got me hyped. It's, it's a great story. And again, like yeah. I said, you know, when you shared it with me when we were in Charlotte, um, I want people on this podcast to kind of hear your story because everyone kind of looks at the athlete. You know, mm -hmm. I, I tell him this all the time when we go out, we go to dinner, everybody always looks at him and they're just like, oh. Like he's a person just because he's six ten. Yeah, he's he's still a person. Yeah, I'm about um, to say I got a story about the person side of it too. Um, my second year in Arkansas, I was already already decided I was going to come out for the uh, draft and whatnot. So, kind of like went to go enjoy life. Of course, it was a baseball game that we had. And everybody loves baseball, basketball, whatever in Arkansas, sports 
uh, state because we don't have, you know, pro team. So anything Arkansas, love it. So we was at a basketball, uh, not a basketball, but a baseball game. And um, me and my wife now, we were going to go, I think, grab one of her friends to take her up to the box that we were in so she can watch the game from up there and get that experience and whatnot. And I'm walking through and, you know, of course, people are going to spot me. Oh, Daniel Gafford, Daniel Gafford. So my <laughs> my wife, she's telling me, she was like, I'm going to be your security. I'm going to tell people now. <laughs> like, all right, cool. You know, then halfway through, I signed like two autographs, took like four pictures. When I was like, okay, so you finna be fired, of course. So we get close to where her friend, we get close to where her friend is. And um, she couldn't find us. Of course, you know, she, she was under the influence. She was having a good time at the baseball game. Everybody was. And um, a little girl comes. And I'm like, okay, bet you got, I'm gonna give you another chance. You know, you're gonna either tell her no, or you're gonna let me sign an autograph. She was like, no, she told the little girl no. And so we're walking off and we're still having a conversation with her friend because they're laughing on the phone. And the father of the girl that um, was there, he made a post about me on Twitter. He was like, Daniel Gafford and his girlfriend um, just told my daughter no for an autograph and a picture. And they walked off and they were laughing. So now me, I'm in a position, I'm like, well, first off, I apologize to your daughter. No one was laughing at her. You know, the things that were going on before your daughter came up to us, we were trying to get her friend so we could take her back up to the box. Yeah. We were laughing because we were still on the phone with her, yeah. of course. And second, I'm a human being too. Yeah. I made it mandatory throughout the season, the two seasons that I was there, no matter what happened, win, lose, draw. I come out, sign, take pictures, whatever. And I'm spending my time, you know what I'm saying, coming back out yeah. to do this for the fans. I ain't have no problems with it. Yeah. But it's at some point in time to where like, I'm a human being too, so if I don't have this jersey on my back, how would you treat me then? Yeah. You know? So that's just my take on it. Like, we go through everyday life, you know, we're put on a high pedestal because of the things that we do on the floor. But then you take away the stuff that we're doing on the floor, how are you gonna treat us then? You gonna treat us the same? You gonna be genuine to us? You know, we're going to walk up. Hey, how you doing? You're going to knock our hand away. Wait till, wait, you, know? wait till you retire. Yeah. <laughs> you know when, what they what know, when, I, when they know what your autograph yeah. is, they still want to talk. Yeah, exactly. So it's just, it's just like the little things like that to where, you know, I just try to be aware of because, you know, it's always like genuine people out here. But it's always some real hatred people out here too. Like they really like be like, oh, I want this autograph. And if you don't give me this autograph, now I'm going to talk bad about you. But like, you don't understand the human side of it. You just see the athlete. So, that's I'm gonna I'm finish with this. How you like the landlord nickname? That's all. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm loving it, man. Uh, I really, you know. So I came from Chicago. It was Mr. Me, and coming here it was landlord. So I basically, I basically feel like it means the same thing, you know. Uh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I like the rent is due. And all that stuff. So I mean, I'm working on getting it copyrighted and everything right now. Y'all done oh, gave yeah. me, y'all done gave me a nickname that's done stuck with me. So uh, yeah. I can't do nothing but try at this point. You well, know, it's, the first was yesterday. So this, you, you collected a lot of rent. <laughs> you collected a lot, and you did them dirty because it was a Sunday. Exactly. <laughs> New Year's Day, Tuesday. Yeah. Welcome to 2020. Right. <laughs> but no, man. I mean, I appreciate the nickname because it's giving me, you know, a feeling of like. I got like two different personalities. Like on the court, bet I'm this guy. When I come off, I'm just like 
the same old Daniel Gafford, anime loving, music loving, video game loving. No. He a drummer, so I knew he had rhythm. Well, then go, go, Gaff, or go to that. <laughs> they go, they go Look, I told, I told my wife, I was like, next, uh, probably next year on Halloween, I'm going to try to dress up as Inspector Gadget. Oh, that would be dope. <laughs> <laughs> try to dress up as him. And it'll work good, because, like, the way Inspector Gadget dresses, that's literally like how my father dresses. Uh, oh, okay. With a long trench okay. coat. Long trench coat. Hat. All black up under with the hat. Man. Like, when my dad, um, my dad, you know, had hair. And whatnot. He had like, you know, the cul de sac yeah, here yeah. all around here when I used to wear the hat. Oh, yeah, we got those, by yeah. the way. <laughs> <laughs> he used to um, wear the, uh, y'all play Mortal Kombat, right? Yeah. The Kun Lao hat. Yeah. He used to wear those and like always had um, some type of bag with all his work stuff in it. And he was always dressed like comfortably to work and like he used to walk everywhere, you know, so. Learned a lot from my dad, man. And one thing about it, <laughs> when he comes around, he's just going to fill up the room with some type of energy. Yeah. You know, no matter if it's awkward or if it's good. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sound like my pop. Yeah, that's my guy, though, man. So I'm going to try to dress up as Inspector Gadget next yeah, year. I'm going to try do. to. I'm going to try to steal one of his hats. I got to go back and find, see if he got them still left in, like, the archives and stuff. <laughs> is he tall, too? Yeah. Okay. So my dad is... If I'm not mistaken, he's around maybe like six, eight, six, nine. Oh yeah, okay. My mom, I think stands out at six foot, six one. Oh wow. So you should have been taller, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, like it was like a domino effect. So my sister was is the oldest, so she was, of course, she was a decent height. My oldest brother sprouted up past her. And then I sprouted up past my oldest brother. And so now probably my youngest brother is going to sprout up past me. I don't know yet, though. He's like, he's at my shoulder, but he's a senior in high school. you're about so 6'11 we'll almost? Yeah. 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 So we'll see. We'll see. Did you ever do the test? Yeah. That's oh, why I just did. said he about 6'11. So, so, so Drew does a test before mm-hmm. every game, road or home. And it's normally the opposition. Well, he'll go up and see just how tall a dude really like, is. And he'll go, he'll go, hey, you know, hey. <laughs> You think you think he's taller than me? Yeah. And I'll go. Well, he was telling me that Kuz was taller than me the, the entire year. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, he got his feelings. He's like, we gonna really yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, every time Kuz walk past, but I'm like, yo, yo, is that taller than me? Kuz ain't even paying attention. Yeah, Kuz like, what's going on? You know. Man, we'll get you. No, that's funny. I appreciate you, man, joining us on this podcast. For sure. Very revealing, and I I gotta end it this way. Twenty one. Can you do something for me? I got you. I'm oh, man. I'm rolling. I'm rolling. <laughs> <laughs> Good, man. I appreciate y'all, man. Yeah. For real. Yeah.